and invite you to turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. If you have a Bible you brought with you, or if not, there are copies um, in the pews in front of you. But as we look briefly at what I'm sure is a familiar passage, as we come to the Gospel text, I want us to think about or to look for two different kinds of news. Two different messages going out in this scripture passage. As we, as we look for those, I want you to also think about yourself this evening. What news are you sort of carrying around in your own person? What news do you carry within you? In the last couple years, I think all of us have been made aware, maybe encouraged to evaluate or reevaluate the sources that we look to, to to frame our outlook on the world. Where do we go to find, to get our news? Some of you might still get a a paper, newspaper delivered to your home every day or, or several times a week. Maybe some of you get the news from colleagues at work. Maybe you get your news from the cable networks or social networks from your phone. But the, the words we, we let in, the messages we let in, provide at least part of our outlook on reality. Right? They shape the way we feel about our lives, the way we feel about the, the things outside of us. Some of you might pine for sort of days gone by when navigating news was, was easier and simpler and, and there weren't so many options or, or angles on the news. But I think we would discover no matter how far we go back, and as we go way back into the time of this passage and this text, there are always different voices announcing what matters, what really matters, different takes. For the last 26 days, the the church has been celebrating and anticipating this season of Advent together. And all of us have been waiting for, we've been anticipating the news that we know waits for us tonight here in Luke 2. Been waiting to come to this part. The news announcing the birth of Jesus the Christ. Right? And, and it's familiar to us. We know it because it's in our Bibles. We know it because we print it on our Christmas cards. But that news wasn't always so familiar. And as we look at, at these 15 verses, Luke 2, 1 through 15, I want you to listen for, again, two competing viewpoints that were present in this moment at which Jesus was born into our world. Let's start by reading verses 1 through 7. Luke the evangelist records that in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And so everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, 
to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. The first seven verses here, I think, highlight this first source of news and maybe the preeminent source of news in the ancient world. The, The most important voice at this moment in time that shaped the heart's and the minds of of the people belonged to Caesar Augustus. And Luke tells us in verse 1 that a royal decree was published and sent out into the the known world, the, the entire Roman world. So that would have reached as far west as as modern day Spain. It would have reached down into Egypt. It would have reached up into what is today Uh, Germany, parts of northern Europe, and as far east as Syria. And the news was this, that for the the glory, for the political fortunes, for the peace of, of Rome, a census should be taken. And that all people were to be counted so that they could be taxed and possibly even conscripted into Caesar's army. And of course, this was big news. It was sent from the top down. It was an imperial decree. Starting in verse 4, though, Luke is is a good journalist. He, He checks out his sources, and he helps us to see how this sort of global news comes out on a local scale. And in particular, he shows us how it plays out in the life of Joseph and Mary. Again, these are are not significant people in Caesar's world. Joseph and Mary live at the the far eastern edge of the world Rome controlled in the town of Nazareth in the province of Palestine. I think the, the question Luke is exploring in these first seven verses is, How does the news, how does the decree that Caesar is king, that that Caesar is doing this new thing in his world, he's bringing his people together in his kingdom to count them, how does it shape their reality? What does it do to them? And I think Luke tells us that Caesar's decree, the news of Caesar is not just an inconvenience, it's distressing to the people who live under his rule. Right? Because the news that Caesar cooks up, the decree that he sends out, puts pregnant woman far from her home. She's bunked in with obliging but overcrowded cousins and aunts and uncles and nieces and nephews and even livestock. And it's on Christmas Eve, no less. Okay, so maybe that wasn't a big thing quite yet. 
But again, thanks to Caesar's big news, right? Those who had the privilege to live under the Pax Romana, under, under the glory of Caesar, under the lordship of Caesar, to which he referred to himself. Right? They have the privilege of laying their newborn children in makeshift places like manger cribs. Right? The gospel, the good news, the glory of Caesar. Again, these were all words that Caesar used of himself. Actually, when it plays out, says that whoever is in charge, whatever forces control the world, have little interest in, in the well-being of regular people. Simple people, people in distress, people who are displaced. So the news of Caesar's is attention-getting, but it only leaves us more anxious than we were before. Sometimes I think we also live with that kind of news inside of us. Right? We, we move through life harried by everything happening to us, everything happening around us. And we feel inconvenienced by circumstances that are most of the time beyond our control. Maybe we feel distressed by a world that doesn't seem interested in what matters to us. But the same night that this news has gone out and is reaching the farthest edges of the Roman world, Luke wants us to know there's also another message from a rival source that Caesar has no idea about. A news and a message that, that even King Caesar isn't aware of. Look at verses 8 through 15 as we hear that news. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. If we were to sort of go back to the beginning of chapter 2, there, there is sort of a a down, downward a sort of movement from, from the top to the very bottom of society, from the, the top of the universe in terms of status and power 
to the lowest possible places. Right? We begin in the imperial palace of Caesar, his messengers as they go out. But eventually we end up in this tiny, insignificant nation of Palestine. We move further down into the poverty of a young couple and down even further to their child who's placed again in this, in this makeshift manger. And just when we thought sort of we had reached the lowest levels of status and power and influence, Luke introduces us to a band of shepherds. And if we thought Jesus didn't have much of a bed, well, these guys don't have any bed to sleep in most nights. And these shepherds then, because they live out in the fields, they're probably even less interested in the news that was coming in and out of town. We don't know how interested or aware they were of Caesar's decrees. Luke doesn't tell us. But he does tell us in verse 9 that these shepherds receive a message from an even higher place than Rome. It says, In the fields outside of Bethlehem, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. And like everybody in Scripture who sees an angelic messenger, it says the shepherds were terrified. And they're terrified until they hear the news God has for them. Good news. Gospel news. Luke tells us the angel says this news will cause great joy for all people. In many ways, I think Luke has, has recorded this message to be read in parallel with, with the one back in verse 1 from Caesar. This is big news. It's news sent from the highest possible places. It's news that's meant to have far-reaching implications. But Luke also wants to see how it plays out in real life. And I think in that respect, these two sources, these two announcements couldn't be more different. The good news, what we now call the gospel news, says that this child whom Caesar has no regard for, who he was happy to displace in his census taking, Right, a child wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. This child is chosen to be a savior from David's line. This child will be born the Messiah of Israel. This child will be born Lord of every nation, even beyond the edges of the Roman world. And in verse 14, his gospel continues. It says that it will be his reign that brings peace upon the earth. That's a, that's a direct challenge to Caesar's claim. And this is how he will do it. He will announce God's favor, God's graciousness, God's kindness to all the people. 
Luke also wants us to see who this king has selected to be his first royal entourage, his first royal ambassadors. Right? We get a camp of Judean shepherds, and they set out into the night to investigate what they've just heard from heaven. Tonight, as we prepare to come forward to the Lord's table, as we enter into these last moments of Advent together, I want you to think about whose news will you carry within you? Whose news are you living under? Whose news do you live your life in response to? Whose message shapes how you see the world? Will you go out into this night inconvenienced, distressed, displaced, discouraged by impersonal forces in our world that seem to, to desire and decree to rule over us? Or will you go as those carrying the good news of a Savior, of a Messiah born to reign as Lord of all creation? Will you go rejoicing in the grace and the favor that God desires to show to you? And will you go walking in the news of his peace? We heard in that text that um, Tim read for us at the start of the service, 1 John, that the gospel has been announced and proclaimed so that we might have fellowship, so that we might be enjoined to, that our lives might be bound up in the life of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, and that in that fellowship we might find our deepest joy.